Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Uh, we are continuing our series that we began last week, kicking off the year together, called Priorities. Priorities. And we kind of tagged it with a line that says, reshaping what shapes us. And so last week as we began, if you're here with us, we said that all of us, whether you realize it or not, we all live by a set list of priorities in our life, okay? Whether you're a student today, a single adult, a married couple, a grandparent, you have a set list of priorities that you operate by. Maybe you haven't written them on a piece of paper lately. Maybe you don't have typed in an app in your phone, but the reality is your, your time, your energy, your resources, your schedule, it all evolves around a set list of priorities in your life. And so in this series, our goal is through God's help to begin to reshape what shapes us. And so if you were here last week, we kicked off um, by saying first things first, that order matters in our life. We're going to talk about priorities. Order matters. And so last week, as we began 2019 together as a spiritual house, we we identified three different firsts, if you will, that we're going to bring to God, that we're going to respond to with God. And I'm going to start with number two. Number two was that with the first of our week, I will worship God together with my spiritual family. And so if you were here last week and you're here today, like you're crushing that when you're all over it, all right? You are one for one, only like 50 more to go this year. But man, we said we'll make priority to be together with our spiritual family. And then the third one was that with the first of my resources, I will trust God. And we talked about God's call to trust him financially and maybe in an area that's really, really hard. And for some of you, maybe for the first time last week or for the first time in a long time, you were like, man, God, I'm going to trust you with that tent, that portion of what you've given to me. And I just want to say, man, thank you for your obedience in that. Man, continue to persevere when it's easy and when it's not. We walk in that obedience. But then the first statement that we made last week, if anybody remembers it, was with the first of my day, I will seek God. With the first of my day, I'm going to pursue God. And we said we primarily do that through his word. And so last week, if you were here in week one, we kind of reintroduced to you something that we started in 2018, and that's called our Life Journal Reading Plan. Some of you heard about that in 2018. Well, last week we unveiled it and made a few tweaks for 2019. So if you weren't here, I want to kind of update you on what we're pursuing together as a big spiritual family. And that is we're challenging everybody, students, young, old, no matter how long you've been in your faith journey, to read through the New Testament in 2019. Now, what we said last week is that the New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, has 260 chapters. If you look at the calendar, the calendar, if you take out Saturday and Sunday, has 260 days. I know, it's crazy. It's almost like God made it that way. I don't know, like he's sovereign, he's good. And so what we said is that if you read one chapter a day for just five days a week, you don't even have to be perfect, all right? Five days a week, then you will have read through the entire New Testament during 2019. And God will have grown your faith as you grow to understand and seek him. And so here's what we said. We're also under, unveiling a new way that we're communicating with you. And so if you didn't jump in last week and you're like, man, I want to be a part of this so that I give God the first of my day, 
then I want you to text the word Bible. Pull out your phone right now. Yeah, the preacher said that's okay. Uh, text the word Bible, B-I-B-L-E, to 601-397-6111. We literally had hundreds of you jump in last week, and so that's awesome. We love it. We're going to go after this thing together. But if you'll text the word Bible, if you didn't get in last week, to 601-397-6111. Here's what's going to happen. All right, every Sunday evening, you're going to get a one message, just a prompt, a reminder on what the readings are for that week. So here's what happens. You can never go, well, I, did, I was going to read, but I didn't know what the readings were for the week. Well, you know what your text messages say. That's what I know, okay, because I know what mine say. And so every week, you're going to get that prompt. Also, in that reply message is an opportunity to opt in through email. Some of you like to have an email reminder. You can do that as well. Come on Sunday nights. And so I'm also going to go ahead and tell you what the reading is for this week, all right? So because you're here, because you gave God the first of your week, you're going to get a go-ahead, all right? And so this week, we're going to start on Matthew 6 through 10. Matthew 6 through 10 is our five chapters for this week, so write that down. You'll get the text tonight. You'll get the email if you subscribed into that. And then also at Info Services, um, we have a free Life Journal notebook. And the reason we use that notebook is we introduce you to a, a soap study method that allows you not just to read the Word, because that's good, but you know what really begins to change you, what reshapes you, is when the Word begins to get in you and you begin to live it out. That's where it gets obedient. And so that Life Journal is just a way to write down what God is teaching you. And so if you didn't get one last week, we've got a new shipment in this week. Go grab you one. So speaking of Matthew chapter 6, if you have a copy of Scripture today, hard copy, digital copy, open up to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we're going to be here in just a few moments. It's going to take me a couple of minutes to get there, but I'll go ahead and give you a head start to get there. We'll also put the verses on the screen behind me. Um, here's what I'm going to say today. Today, if whether you are or are not, I'm prompting everybody in the room, today is a note-taking kind of day, okay? Okay, so you're not going to offend me if you pull out your phone, got your notes app open. Now, I'll be able to tell if it's Facebook or not, okay? Because note-taking looks like this, Facebook scrolling looks like this, all right? I know how it looks. So, man, write this down because I'm going to give you a lot of information today. I'm going to kind of go a little more teacher than I am preacher. And so we're going to all learn some things together as we step into a second part of our priorities that are going to shape us or reshape us for the new year. And so today we're going to talk about the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. And here's what I know. Men in a room with this many people, myself included, that none of us, I don't think anybody walks in here today going like, prayer life, on point. Like, I'm 10 for 10 on that. I don't even really need to hear the message. Uh, I don't think anybody does that. Because all of us, men, have room to grow in how we seek God, how we prioritize God in our life through prayer. Um, the Christian minister by the name of Samuel Chadwick, he once wrote this. He says, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. The devil laughs at our toll. He mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. And he trembles when we pray. And so if prayer is genuinely going to be a priority in our life, then we've got to learn what it means, the power behind it, and then we got to do it. But here's what I also know. Man, with all of you in the room today, chances are for some of you, or maybe those who are watching, you go, you know what? Like, I know, like, prayer is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I get that. We're in church today. It's not a surprise. We're talking about prayer. But, like, I, I just don't get it. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. I mean, I, I'm talking to somebody that I can't really see, asking them to make something happen. Like, that's kind of weird. Or maybe for some of you, maybe you're in this camp, and you go, you know what? I've tried. I've tried before. I've tried praying. Maybe there was this situation or there's this thing that was going down. It was this relationship. And I prayed. I asked God to do something and it didn't really happen like I prayed. So I'm not even really sure that it works. So why would I pray? 
And here's what I want to say. If you're in either one of those groups today, can I just, can I just help you a lot? I don't think you're alone. I don't think you're alone in the room today because chances are there's a lot of us who walk into that. And so today, my hope is through the power of God's word that I'm gonna help us understand the power and the purpose behind what prayer does in our lives. And so we're gonna make a lot of lists today. We're gonna make three different big lists. If you're note-taking, hang on with me, all right? It's all gonna go on the screen, just follow along. And so the first question that we're gonna answer is just simply this. Why do we pray? Or why should you pray? And so I want to give you five reasons why we all, every one of us, young, old, need to pray. And the first one is this, that God's word commands it. God's word commands that we would pray. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul writes this. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. God's word says, it's very clear that we are called to pray. And Paul says we should pray different kinds of prayers. We're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But God's word commands that we would pray. If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, that we would pray. The second reason why we should pray is that we need it. We need it. You need it. I need it. Some of you said that. You you need somebody to pray for you. All right, that's what some of you said. Here's what Paul says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Look at this. Paul says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look at this crazy thing that happens, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, when you feel anxious, when you feel like you were worried, when you feel afraid, and we've all battled all of those things, he said prayer is the great diffuser of those feelings. When we bring those feelings to the God of the universe, we communicate with him in prayer. I read a quote this week that said this, worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change. That's good. And it's true. Prayer is the great conqueror. It is the great calmer in times of trouble, and you and I need it. We need it in our life. Number three, the reason why we should pray is because there is a devil. There is a devil. The New Testament says in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In other words, whether we realize it or not, the enemy is real. Evil is real in our life. And the devil would love nothing more than to cause you to think that prayer is not important in your life. Because what scripture says is one of the greatest ways to fend off the enemy in your life is by prayer. And so there's a devil. So we must pray. The fourth reason why we should pray is is it, it was important to Jesus. It was important to Jesus. We looked at this verse last week, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Look at what happens. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus, okay, son of God, savior of the world, like he valued it enough that he got up before everybody else, before the son got up to go spend time with the father in prayer. So let me just lay this out for us today, okay? In 2019, if Jesus needed prayer that much, how much more do you and I need it? All right, the answer is a lot, okay? Jesus viewed it as important. And the final reason why we should just think about prayer is this. Prayer is powerful. 
There's power when we pray. Mark chapter 9, um, we read this story. Jesus' disciples try to heal a demon-possessed boy, and they're unable to do it. If you know the story, Jesus steps in, he heals the boy, and then the disciples come to him and they have a conversation. Look at what happens in the conversation. In Mark chapter 9, verse 28, it says, after Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Jesus, like, why, why couldn't we drive it out? I thought you gave us power. In verse 29, Jesus replies, this kind can only come out by prayer. Prayer is capable to accomplish great things like healing, like provision, when we pray in line with God's Spirit in our life. So we should pray with understanding, realizing that when we pray, we're tapping into the power of the God of the universe. So why should you pray? Why should we pray? Well, we just gave some reasons. God's Word commands it. We need it. The enemy's real. Jesus thought it was important. And finally, because there's power when we tap into prayer. So if we know why we should pray, okay, we're leading into that, well, then how do we pray? That's a question a lot, of, a lot of us ask. How do we pray? If prayer is going to be a priority that shapes us this year, then how do we do it? Now, you're opened up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to read a passage here, and then we'll read another passage in just a minute. Matthew chapter 6, in verse 5, Jesus communicates this. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 6, but when you pray, you go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Verse 8, do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus is teaching a crowd and they ask him, how do we pray? Maybe kind of like you today. Then how do we pray? And I love that Jesus, he answers the question first actually by stating how you should not pray. And, and he gives us some of that. But then he gives us three things in this, three things to remember when we pray. So that's kind of how you can title this list. Three things to remember when we pray. We're going to make them all really memorable. The first is be real. When you pray, just be real. Jesus says, don't try to impress others when you pray like the Pharisees did. The Pharisees, if you know how they interacted in this day, they would literally stand on the street corner. Picture this, on the street corner, all right, maybe on top of the box like the guys out of New Orleans, and they would raise their hands up in the air and raise their voice, and they would pray so loud and make a scene so that everybody would look in and notice them. Look at what I'm doing. They would pray out loud, right? Jesus says, don't be like that. Like, be real. It's kind of like, you know who it is. Like, you got that relative in your family. They're like, they're the official prayer, okay, at the holidays. And so, like, they did it at Thanksgiving. And then four weeks later, they had to say the blessing at Christmas too. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. And, and like, when you pray, like, maybe you all hold hands or maybe it's like lounge around the living room, football game's still on. But, like, everybody bows their head to pray because it's family prayer time for the blessing. And, like, they start praying. And they start saying words, like, just big words. You never, ever heard them pray ever before in their life. And you look up and you're like, Uncle Rick, is that, is that you talking over there? Right? You got that guy? Or, or then they, maybe they do this, they keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going. Everybody's like, you know, squeezing hands next to each other. They're like, I don't know, I think the food might expire before Uncle Rick gets done over there. Okay, you got that guy? Jesus is saying, that ain't how you pray. He says, don't be like them. Don't keep on babbling. Don't try to impress others when you pray. Jesus also says this. He says, don't try to impress God. 
Don't try to string all these beautiful words together and just make it all sound perfect. The goal of prayer is not to impress God, but it's to be real with God. Can I tell you something? He already knows your heart. But in prayer, it's us opening up to go, God, here I am. And he goes, I already know, but I've been waiting on you to tell me. And so in prayer, we speak to God in truth. So he says, be real. The second thing to remember when you pray is we'll just say it this way is be relaxed. Verse six, Jesus says this. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Here's what we're saying here. Relax, go to a place where you can be alone where you can be quiet to take a spiritual deep breath, where you can concentrate on what God's saying and on what you're saying to God. You know what the two main excuses are that that most everyone uses about why they don't pray? Number one is they don't have time to pray. Number two is they don't have a place to pray. That's what people say. Well, I don't have time. I'm so busy. Or I don't have a place. Like there's always people around. Okay. And so here's what we're saying here. Try to figure out a place in your world, in your flow of your week, in your flow of your life, where you can be alone with God. Maybe it's an extra room at your house where you could go in there at night or in the morning. Maybe it's a break room at work that doesn't get a whole lot of traffic. Maybe it's your car where you could just be alone with God. Now, does that mean you can't pray when people are around? No, you can pray when people are around. But there's something special about going, God, you get first, you get best, and I want to be focused on you. As I communicate with you. So scripture says, be, man, be relaxed, be connected with God in that way. And the third thing we'll say to remember is to be revealing. Be revealing. Here's what we'll say by this. Verses seven and eight, Jesus says, he says, don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathens do who think prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you talk to the Lord, just talk. Like it's a conversation with God. Think about it. When you were growing up, you didn't go to your dad and be like, oh, thou most honored of men, I wouldest thou appreciate if thou might allow me to go to thou friend's house, right? You didn't say that. No, you said, hey, hey, dad, man, can I go over to my friend's house? Why did you talk that way? Because you had a, you had a relationship. You had a relationship where you had known one another. There had been time together. And so you just communicated. And in the same way, when Jesus says, be yourself. Man, be revealing, communicate with me as you would communicate with a friend, understanding that I'm a father with all power. And so remember, when you pray, be real, be relaxed, be revealing. Now, Jesus says, once you understand the right attitude to bring into prayer, then this is how you should pray. And and Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at a very familiar passage for a lot of us, whether you've been in church or not, you've heard this one. And we're going to begin to walk through, man, how we should pray. So look with me, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 is this. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So give us today our daily bread. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And finally, verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And we're going to stop right there. And for the next few minutes, I want us to walk through that prayer. Now, here's what I know. Chances are, there's a lot of us in the room that have said that prayer about a hundred times in a locker room, at midfield of the game after the game was over, at a big community event. Why did we do that? Because it was the right thing to do. But can I tell you something today, maybe kind of upset your world a little bit? 
God didn't give that to us just as a locker room pep talk prayer. Jesus prayed that. He laid that out in a moment of intense teaching to help us see an example of how we, you and I, should tap into the power of the God of the universe. And so today, man, I want us to look at that, maybe with some fresh light for you and for me, and I want us to highlight, we're going to highlight six different ways that Jesus outlines there on how we should pray. Six different things that if you're walking in a, in a healthy prayer life with God, God, you get the first of my day, and I want to seek you, and you are the priority that shapes my life. These are six things that should be happening in our prayer life. Now, we're going to all start with P, because I'm a pastor, and I have to do that, and it helps you remember it, all right? And so here's the first one, the first kind of prayer is this. It's a prayer of praise. A prayer of praise. Jesus says you should begin prayers by expressing love to God. He did it. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed or praised be your name. Now, I want to give you two different types of praise prayers, okay? So these are sub points under your big point. So the first one is adoration. Adoration is simply praising God for who he is. It's for his characteristics. So it's, God, thank you for being true. God, you are faithful. God, you are holy. God, you are righteous. So we pray prayers of adoration through praise. The second type of praise prayers is that we would praise God through thanksgiving. And thanksgiving, we're thanking God for what he's done. So thank you, God, for my home. Thank you for my family, for my health, my job, whatever that thing. We're thanking God in that. Psalms 100 verse 4 says it this way. Enter into his gates. In other words, like walk into his presence. Or we could say today, enter into the house with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The reality is that we not only praise God through music, but we also praise him in prayer. Some of you think that like praise is about an 18-minute block on Sunday mornings. And like, I like the song, didn't know the song, could praise on this one, could. No, no, no. Praise goes way beyond that. Praise happens in our prayer life as we communicate with God. Now, there are a couple of really practical ways that I'm going to give you that can help grow you as you pray prayers of praise back to God. Okay, super simple. The first is, as you read your Bible, make a list of the characteristics of God. And then when you pray, praise Him for that. Adoration. And God, I see here, God, you are holy. God, thank you that you're set apart. God, your word says you are faithful from generation to generation. So God, I thank you for that. Thank you for being faithful, not only in Scripture, but also in my life. As we read God's word, it prompts us to pray prayers of adoration and praise. Also, the second is, you make a list of those things that you're thankful for in your life. For some of you, that'd just be a good thing to do anyway. Okay? And you make a list, man, God, for my, for my spouse, for my kids, for my job, for my family, for my health. And guess what? Then when you pray, you just kick it off by thanking God for all of those things. So we pray prayers of adoration and thanksgiving as we praise God together and our gratitude and our thanksgiving, here's what happens. It changes our perspective when we pray. Because a lot of times, we're going to see this today, a lot of times when we go into prayer, you know what we're going? Me, 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 me. And you know what praise does? Praise goes, you, and it changes the way that we enter into praising God. Okay, so we pray prayers of praise. Second thing Jesus said, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's the second kind of prayer. is a prayer of purpose. A prayer of purpose. A healthy prayer life is going to pray a prayer of purpose because when we pray with purpose, we're saying, God, I commit myself to doing your will. How many of you would agree with me that too often we come into a moment of prayer, all right, with our agenda, 
In other words, we got like, God, here's some things I need you to accomplish, and here's the deadline I'd like for you to get that done by. I appreciate that. All right, get back to me. But in, in, in a prayer of purpose, we ask for God's purposes and his, his will to happen in our family, in our job, in our church, in our community. It changes the way that we pray because to pray with purpose is, is transferring God's will into our will. Now, to pray that way, you got to realize that there's two things at work right now. There's good and there's evil. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says it. Ephesians 6, 12, he says, for our struggle, the real battle, all right, is not your spouse. It's not your boss or your kids. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. All right? In other words, there's a real fight, whether we sense it, see it, realize it, going on today between good and evil. And what we're saying when we pray a prayer of purpose, when we say, God, your kingdom come, here's what we're saying. God, I believe that the God I'm praying to, my daddy, God the Father, that he's the king. And he's sovereign over it all. And he is in full control. And God, I'm asking that your plans and your purposes be accomplished. That there might be people who would know you because of the way that you work in this situation. Some of you got stuff going on and you're like, man, I know I should pray for it, but I don't know what I should pray for. Listen to me. Here's where that prayer starts for that thing you don't know what to pray for. You pray, hey, God, your will be done. Not mine, yours. And in that, there's a transforming that takes place. Because for us to pray God's will would be done, it's a bold statement, not about what we want, but it's God about what you want. And the reality is what he wants is way better than what we want, whether we realize it or not. It's for our good and it's for his glory. Here's what Paul says, Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here's our phrase, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul speaks of real worship there. You know what he didn't look at? He didn't say, hey, it's that song you sing on Sunday. He says, it's the offering of yourselves that surrender. That's true and proper worship. And you know what happens when you pray with purpose? You're surrendering your plans and your purposes and your pleasures over to God. And you go, God, I want yours in my life. Now, let me just give you a warning. When you pray a prayer of purpose and you mean it, you better buckle up. All right, get ready. Because God may change you. He may rearrange some things in your life. And at first you may be like, I don't know that I really like that. Can I take back that prayer of purpose, God? But he is working something that is for your good and his glory. And it's way better than your purposes. All right? So we pray prayers of praise and purpose. And then third, Jesus says to pray, give us today our daily bread. All right, we like that part. Here's the third part. That we pray a prayer of provision that we would pray for provision. In this section, we're asking God to provide for our daily needs. Scripture says it's okay for you, to, for you to pray and ask God for your physical needs and your spiritual needs. God wants that. You can't overwhelm him. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. I love the promise that Paul gives. He says, and my God, who is also your God, he says, he will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul says God is completely sufficient. He is not overwhelmed. He's not not in debt. He's not behind. He's completely sufficient, and he will provide for the needs of his children when they ask. 
Now, I got to say this because we got to get it straight, okay? When Jesus says, give us today our daily bread, he's saying that we would pray and ask God for the necessities of life, not the luxuries of life, okay? If you get off track, start praying for that sports car, that six-figure job, all right? That ain't exactly what Jesus is saying here, so that's on you. Jesus says, bring me your need, not your greed. Tracking with me? But Jesus says, when you bring it to me, man, I'm capable and I'm sufficient and I'm able to meet your needs. And what happens when we pray a prayer of provision is this crazy thing that starts changing in us is that it reminds us of our dependence on God. We start realizing like, I, I can't, I, I can't make this happen. I can't change this thing. And so God, if it's going to happen, you're going to have to do it in your way, in your time. And that may not be mine. Because I prayed purpose prayer, like I'm going your will in here. And so now I'm praying a need prayer. And so God, you're going to meet it in your purposes. And so we pray prayers asking God for provision and it increases the faith that we have. Number four is this. Jesus says, we pray, forgive us our debts. And so the way that we'll say this today is we pray a prayer of pardon. Pardon. In this section, we're praying, asking God to pardon or forgive any sins that are in, are in our life. I think there's some multiple levels to praying and being obedient to a prayer of pardon. And you got to catch all these, okay? Because if you just catch one of them, you're going to miss it. The first part is this, that we ask God to reveal any sin that is in us. So that looks like me going to pray and I'm going, hey God, if there's something in me that is separating me from you, God, it's not right in me. God, would you make that clear in me? Now listen to me. When he reveals it, here's your job, to agree with him. A lot of times he wants to point it out, man, well, you got pride in you. You've been selfish. No, God, I mean, like, there was this thing. No, 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 no. I agree with you. You're my father, and, and, and I believe you, you have good in mind for me. So we acknowledge that. We agree with him. And then once that sin is revealed, then we confess it to God specifically. Specifically, we own it to God. God, would you forgive me? I acted in anger in that situation, and that, that was not representing you. God, I went to work yesterday and I left just full of jealousy for that thing that happened that they got, that their family's doing. That ain't right. That's not representing you, God. And so, God, would you forgive me? And we specifically ask God to forgive that thing. Now, there's a third part of praying for pardon. It's a little bit harder, and it's this, that we would reconcile with others when it's necessary. We would reconcile with others when it's necessary. That means... That there's somebody in your world, somebody in your life right now that you've sinned against, that you've wronged, that you would let God prompt that, that you would own that, and that you would then seek reconciliation for that, that you would ask for forgiveness. And at my house, we tried to start teaching, seeking forgiveness and, and repenting pardon at a very young age. And at my house, like there's a, there's a process that you walk through, not to be legalistic, but to try to teach and embed that characteristic in us, in my kids. And that means if you wrong somebody in our family or even outside of our family, but specifically in our house, then man, you go to that person and you say, I am sorry for this. No buts included. No, but I was trying to do this. No, 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 no. I'm sorry for this. I own it. I look at my wife frequently, fellas, and I own things in front of her. And sometimes it makes me feel real small, but sometimes I need to be humbled. And I own things. And then we ask this question. So would you forgive me? And you know what the other party says? I forgive 
you. And we like to think that's a healthy picture of forgiveness because God says that I forgive, I've wiped it clean as far as the east is from the west. And I want you to see there's a powerful warning that Jesus gives one chapter earlier, Matthew chapter 5. Look at this, what he says for all of us who are in Christ. He says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, he's talking about worship, man. If you're, you're pursuing God, look at this. And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Look at this, it's crazy, all right? Leave your gift there in front of the altar. What? Yeah, first, go and be reconciled to them then come and offer your gift. You know what that says to me? That Jesus takes forgiveness seriously. In fact, he paid for it with his life. So what we see here is that when we ask God if there's anything in me and he reveals it and we own it and then we ask him to forgive it and then we pursue reconciliation. Here's the last part. For some of you, this is really hard. You receive God's forgiveness for your life. You believe it, it matters for you too. Because here's what I know, man. For some of you, man, you might be good at asking others, but man, you're not good at realizing that, that God's love, his compassion, his mercy is for you too. And the good news of the gospel, man, is it, it don't matter how bad you messed up. But I've done it. No, it don't matter. It doesn't matter how broken that relationship is. Man, when you own it before God with an honest heart, Scripture says he forgives it. The pardon is for you. Hello, that's good news today. And here's what scripture says, 1 John 1, 9. He says, if we confess our sins, here we are, pardon. He, talking about God now, he's faithful and he's just and he will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. That is the greatest news that has come out of my mouth today. You see, here's what I believe is I've grown in, in my faith slowly. Repentance must be a consistent and healthy practice in the life of every believer. You wanna know why? Because here's what repentance does. Repentance opens the door to keep us dependent on God and repentance opens the door for the movement of God in our life. And so let me ask you, husband, student, mom, grandparent, when's the last time you said, I'm sorry? To God first, then to those other people in your life. And we pray a prayer of pardon and then it enacts in us, it calls us to a place of obedience so we pray prayers of pardon. Number five is this. Jesus says, not only pray, forgive us our debts, but then he says, also pray for those that you have forgiven, for those who have sinned against you, is what the what prayer says. So I think here Jesus is prompting us to pray for other people, that we would pray for people, for your family, for your spouse, your kids, your neighbors, for your spiritual and political leaders, even for people on the other side of the world. Jesus says, as those who are in Christ, if that's you, then we have a responsibility to intercede for other people. Now, it can be kind of weird if you think about that and you're like, well, how do I pray for you know, my political leaders I don't have a personal relationship with or people on the other side of the world or like my whole school? How, how do I do that? I don't even know what to pray. It's so cool that in Scripture, we see things to pray for other people. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes a prayer for the church at Ephesus and I think in that, if we look at it, there's some things that you could pray for those people in your life that maybe you're like, I don't know what to pray. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16. Paul says this about this church. Think about those people in your life. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. We can give thanks for them. 
remembering you in my prayers. Verse 17, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. How good would that be for you to pray that for somebody in your life? For you as a parent to pray for your kid. God, would you give me, my son, my daughter, spirit of wisdom and revelation. They would know you better. When's the last time you prayed that for your kids? All right, he goes on. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He's praying there. He says, God, would you help their spiritual eyes that are closed? And maybe there's a coworker, there's a boss, there's somebody that you you teach with or that you go to the ball field with. God, would you open their spiritual eyes that they would be enlightened to see this hope that's in me that I want them to have and I can't make them have it. And I've tried to, God, would you open their eyes? And then he says, to the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and that they would know his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is like the working of his mighty strength. Now here's what Jesus is is saying here. He said, not only do we pray for people who we know, not only do we pray for people who are like us, but he's saying that we would also pray for people who have hurt us. And that's hard. But Jesus says here, for us to forgive someone doesn't mean that we're just denying that they have sinned, but we are saying we no longer seek revenge on them. That's what it means when you say you're forgiven. I no longer seek revenge, and I desire for God's purposes, those purposes I pray for, I desire that they would be accomplished in your life for your life. We pray for him. You see, for for us to harbor anger and bitterness, like we're good at that, But man, that's not representative of God's character towards us because aren't we grateful, man, that he did not harbor the anger and the bitterness that he could have towards us. So we pray prayers of praise and purpose and then pardon and for other people. And there's one last prayer. And the final thing that Jesus says, he says, pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's what he said. And so the final prayer is that we would pray a prayer of protection. A prayer of of protection. In this final section, we are praying for spiritual protection. We've agreed earlier, we saw it, like the devil's real, the evil is real in our world, and so we pray that God would protect our life from the reign and the presence of evil in our world. Now realize, God does not lead us into temptation. That's not what the prayer is saying. But in this section of prayer, we're simply agreeing that we need help, that we can't overcome the power of sin the pull of the world, the pull of the enemy in our life. Can't do it by myself. Like I get it right sometimes and then there's sometimes I fail. And so we're owning that. Now think about this. Like if you've been following Jesus for a while, we're normally really, really good at praying and asking God forgiveness once we messed up, aren't we? Because like we get, we get that guilt, Holy Spirit brings that in us. We're like, oh man, like I, I shouldn't have been acting in anger towards my spouse. Or like, man, how, how could I have been so selfless with my kids and my time? We're good at that. Think about this. What would happen if we prayed before the temptation ever got there? Like seriously, like what if you woke up tomorrow morning and as you give the first of your day to God and you're seeking him and you read Matthew 6, what if you went ahead and prayed something like this? God, I'm about to go to the eight to five, all right? We're about to go to school today, God. And I know without a shadow of a doubt, I don't have to wonder, there's going to be something that's going to push my buttons today. The enemy is going to try to get in. I can even speculate how it might happen, but we don't have to do that right now, God. But I'm just saying, I know it's going to happen. And so, God, I'm asking you, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who sustains life in me, would you go ahead and would you guard my heart? Would you guard my mind? 
And for some of us, would you guard my mouth so that when it comes, not if, but when it comes, probably about two o'clock this afternoon, God, when it, when it comes, would you protect my heart and would you protect my mind and would you help me to represent you? What if you prayed that before you ever got there? Oh man, it could change some things. You see, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4 reminds us of that power that is in us in Christ. It says, you dear children, you are from God and you have overcome them, the world. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do you pray like that? The one who is in you, if you're in Christ, the one who's in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Church, we don't pray meaningless prayers to an unseen being. We don't. We pray prayers of purpose to a father and a daddy who is greater than the evil of this world. And we surrender our control to him. We find his protection in our life. If you don't catch anything, I want you to catch this. Priorities shape us. We've said that. Priorities shape us. But the primary purpose of prayer is not that we would shape God to be in alignment with our desires. But the primary purpose of prayer is that we would be shaped into alignment with God's desires. I'm going to say that one more time. The primary purpose of prayer is not that we would shape God into alignment with our desires. But the primary purpose of prayer is that we would be shaped into alignment with God's desires. See, so much of the church and the world, and maybe even some of you rolling in today, man, think about prayer and we go, man, it's just this, this, gimme, 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 gimme list. But prayer is not just about getting what we want from our Heavenly Father, but it is about us getting in our Heavenly Father and getting to know Him in a real relationship. And what we're saying today is that prayer shapes us. What I know about you without knowing everything that's going on in your world is some of you desire for some things to be shaped and changed in your life. Some of you, it's your marriage. Some of you, it's a primary relationship in your life. Maybe it's your future. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's what's going on at the house, what you're going to walk into this afternoon. You would love for it to be shaped. Can I tell you something? Prayer not only shapes us, but prayer also reshapes us. And so today, I have full confidence that there could be some marriages that are in the room that could be reshaped if a husband just started praying with his wife. There could be some family relationships that get reshaped if some parents just started praying for their kids. There could be some work relationships in your life that get reshaped if you start praying for your coworkers or praying for your boss rather than just complaining about them. Just try it. Just try it. There could be some kid and parent relationships that get reshaped. Some of you as kids, teenagers, elementary students, start praying for your parents. And there's somebody maybe in the room today who rolled in with dead faith. You're going, I just don't see why. I don't see the purpose. And I'm telling you that your life, your faith could be reshaped if you begin to pray and spend time with the faithful Father. Prayer shapes us. And as a result, prayer must become a priority in our life. 
So man, I ask you today, like, would you make the commitment as a student, as a mom, a dad, a grandparent, a single parent in the room today, would you make the commitment to go, God, I'm going to seek you. I'm going to prioritize communication with you through prayer so that you are what shapes my life. Let's pray together. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.